Hey everyone, we're back with another episode of Find Your Film. This time out, we are doing our bi-monthly director's spotlight. This episode, this one is my choice. It is Ronald Neem, N-E-A-M-E. If you haven't heard of who Ronald Neem is, totally understandable because as of maybe even a month ago, I had no idea who Ronald Neem was. Bruce Perky, aka the Perksiden Adventure. I did not change my name. My fault. I am just boring Greg Srizavosti. My co-hosts are Bruce Perky, aka the Perksiden Adventure. Hello, Bruce. Hello. Hello. And then I have, we have Eric Holmes, aka, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad I'm reading correctly. Home Scotch, right? Home Scotch. Eric Holmes, are you a fan of of Scotch as in the drink or Scotch as in the tape? I like I like the tape. Uh, <laughs> I, if I had more of it, I'd uh, tape the kids' mouths closed because uh, they no. scream me in the background. It's uh, good sound design for the podcast, my friend. Yeah, don't worry yeah, there about you go. that. Uh, but yeah, tape is good. I, I don't really do the hard alcohol. I like beer, don't? but not no. I, I I can't handle it. I get the I get the heartburn. Heartburn. How about you? Bruce Perky, was there a time in your life where scotch was a preferred drink of choice for you? No. If I go hard liquor, it's probably vodka If I or beer for just casual drinking and then occasionally wine. But yeah, vodka or beer. Yeah. Several years ago, actually, maybe actually 10 years ago, I was at the, this hotel in Pasadena and there was, there was this bartender. I skipped out on an interview with a fellow journalist and we decided to go go hang out, have a couple of beers while the interview was going on. It just We were just sick of the whole day. It was a whole day of interviews. And the bartender said, hey, um, I tried to be cool. And I said, hey, I'd like to have a scotch. And the bartender says, oh, cool, neat. And then I just said, neat? Oh, yeah, neat. Sounds cool. <laughs> Had no idea at the age of 40 what neat was regarding scotch. Now I kind of know what neat is, whether I like it neat. I actually do like scotch neat, So, but I haven't done that in years. All of us, I suppose, all three of us, even though we're an explicit show, we all three of us at, at Find Your Film are relative teetotalers, excluding the occasional beer or two. But we're not talking about beer. We're talking about Ronald Neem. Ronald Neem, Bruce Perky, did you know who Ronald Neem was? Did you have an idea when I popped up that name for you? Did you? Have not by name, not by name, not until you mentioned a couple of his movies. And then I recognized that I had definitely seen at least three of his movies, if not four or five. So, yeah. Okay. Now, the reason why Ronald Neem is not a household name, and of course, Eric Holmes, you had no idea Ronald Neem was Ronald. Yeah, same, same deal with Bruce. I, I, I knew oh. his. Uh, I I knew his uh, work. Didn't know who he was. So that, this was that's, uh, quite the discovery. Those screams behind you, Eric Holmes. Those are just added effects from the Poseidon Adventure. Did you know that <laughs> Eric Holmes's family? They're currently watching the Poseidon Adventure. Oh no! Actually, they're in the bathtub. So it kind of oh. works. It kind of works. <laughs> Tell the kiddos to climb the Christmas tree. Whatever they do, climb the Christmas tree on the bathtub. You you won't regret it. Or or maybe. If you don't, you will regret it. Okay, so for this for this episode for Ronald Neem, we are covering the two films, The Poseidon Adventure and another movie called Hopscotch. Now, here's the thing. Both of these movies are in the 70s, early 80s. I believe Hopscotch was 1980. Wait, The Poseidon Adventure. Yeah, 1980. The, thank you, Bruce. The Poseidon Adventure is 1972 and Hopscotch is 1980. Now, I just decided to pick these up because my here's just the genesis of this. One day, I decided to sell sell a whole bunch of my DVDs, trade them into my local Blu-ray DVD store, which I frequent. It's called CD Trader. By the way, Eric Holmes, the frequent Blu-ray DVD record store, what's the name of the store that you frequent, Eric Holmes? I go to Entertain Mart here in Colorado Springs. Entertain Mart over in Colorado Springs. They've been a really wonderful friend to the show. Here's the reason why they're a friend to the show is because Eric Holmes is passionate about going every... Fr- Did you go? You promised a couple of days ago that you would go to your local Entertain Mart after a hard hard week's work. Were you able to stop by? The, yes. The, Okay. Did you pick up anything? Yeah. Well, the uh, uh, middle-class film class, I believe, did a uh, thing on The Last Starfighter. Mm-hmm. I was like, I've never you, know, seen that. The, you know, it's been a while. It's been a long while. Yeah. So I picked that up. Uh, let's see what we got here. Um, oh, I, I ordered shotgun stories. Uh, pick that up. Mm, I, uh, I haven't, I have a feeling I haven't, I know, I, I know why Eric Holmes decided to pick shotgun stories possibly <laughs> down the road. Is that a little tip to the hat there? Maybe. Uh, 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 might be. And mm. by the way, not an easy movie to find. <laughs> oh, really? Shotgun stories. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's a, uh, yeah, we, we had to order that one in, but, uh, 
Yep. Cool. It was good. And, and then, yeah. Oh, well, since we're talking about it, we also got these two guys right here. So we should probably do what something is, with these. What does that say? Those uh, are we two, got a, two twenty dollar gift certificates to Entertainment Mart. Okay, two two twenty dollar gift certificates, gift cards from Entertain Mart. Thank you, Entertain Mart, for supporting our Find Your Film podcast. We actually randomly drew the winners for our contest, and they are. Eric Holmes, do you want me to do the honors or do you want to do the honors regarding the two winners? Do you want me to say it or do you want to say it? Um, wait, we're, we're going to wait till the end of the show. We're going to no, do it no, right no, now. No, no, no. Okay. Yeah. No. You go, you go okay. I, because you know why? I'm, I'm very senile and I, I, uh, I, I forgot last time. So anyways, thank you, Entertain Mart, for sponsoring us. Chad Wilfong and Jeffrey Bassin, you are the winners of our latest Entertain Mart Giveaway, yes, and Bruce Perky is, yes, and everyone's clapping, yes, yes. Thank you guys for supporting our show, Entertain Mart, Chad Wilfong, Jeffrey Bassin. You will be getting your gift cards very soon, thanks to Eric Holmes. Thank you, Eric Holmes, for sponsoring as well. And, and oh, wait, there's a, the Barbie. Bruce Perky, what is that Barbie doll that you have in your room? Is that a a, a, a evil doll that you have that you take? Oh. No, she's she's not evil. She loses her head from time to time. <laughs> we, uh... We have various action figures slash dolls slash whatever in this room. So flamingos that speak and poop. Okay. Very cool. Okay. So now regarding Ronald Neem, here's the thing. Even though these, these movies are 1972 to 1980, Ronald Neem, he was born 1911 and he passed away in 2010. So he was 99 when he passed away. Before 1972, which was the release of the Poseidon Adventure, Ronald Neem had an amazing, already amazing, illustrious career. Okay, he started off producing films with David Lean. He produced the David Lean movies, Brief Encounter, Great Expectations, and Oliver Twist. These were back in the 40s. And he's all, he also received two Academy Award nominations for writing. And during his lifetime, he was appointed Commander of the Order of the British Empire, CBE. Us here at Stateside have no idea, kind of have an inkling of that, what it is, CBE. That's a very high honor. In Britain, and he, he also received the BAFTA Academy Fellowship Award, and it's the highest award the British Film Academy can give a director. So they, he's known, very well known, I'm assuming, in England, here stateside, not so well known. And I thought, Eric Holmes, were you surprised from the two films that you checked out? What, what was your general picture from what? Oh, wait a second. You saw three Ronald Neem films, right? What's the other movie that you're going to no. briefly talk about as well? Uh, the other one was called Meteor from 1979. But yeah, uh, regarding the two, I was struck by how different they were. Like, you know, the Poseidon Adventure is like this kind of, uh, uh, well, if you saw the, the the Kurt Russell movie Poseidon, you kind of get an idea of what, what the story is. But it's a uh, real big, really great sets, great acting, good action, and even decent special effects. Now, when we get to, when we get to uh, Meteor, Special effects kind of take a, a large dip, <laughs> but then you got something like Hopscotch with uh, Walter Matthau, which is uh, pretty much comedy, comedy, yeah, definitely light for sure, and it's more of a cat and mouse uh, spy thriller sort of thing. Yeah, almost Coen Brothers esque, I would say, or maybe Coen Brothers, uh, cool, <laughs> or perhaps uh, Coen Brothers is uh, uh, Neem esque, perhaps I don't know, but uh, yeah. I, I really enjoyed all the pictures and for various different reasons. And I'm going to put this on mute real quick. So, they uh, can- Oh, yeah. Go go for the mute. Oh, I can't wait till Eric Holmes talks about Meteor. Bruce Perky, just general broad strokes regarding what you saw of Neem's work, those two different pieces of work. Um, well, it, it's hard for me to, to disentangle my reactions because my reactions to Poseidon Adventure is something I've seen several times in my life. So I have those nostalgia glasses versus seeing it again recently. Well, today and then hopscotch which i had never seen before i was aware of it but i never actually watched it so but kind of like eric kind of struck by he's not super stylistically self-conscious i definitely caught that like he he lets the script and the acting do more of the work he's not a very visually inventive director but that being put aside i was kind of struck by the way he could kind of like eric said do some totally different tones you know, do this kind of very energetic, over-the-top action, you know, exciting movie, and then do something else that's much more comedic and uh, kind of comedic spy kind of movie, I guess you'd say. I think I think one of the reasons why Ronald Neem is known is because he sort of faded into the background because he was so good. I guess in baseball terms, he's sort of a util- utility player where he can play all mm-hmm. positions. Very valuable. Both movies are really different. 
I actually saw one of his, I did not, I unfortunately I did not see Meteor, but I saw this 1950 film he did. He did called Golden Salamander, and it starred Trevor Howard and Anouk Emi, and it was set in Tunisia. As of this recording, it's currently streaming on Amazon Prime Video. Very interesting film. Felt like a very lived-in thriller, drama thriller, very well-done film, black and white. And Herbert Lom, L-O-M, Herbert Lom, who we'll be talking about later in this episode, he act, he's actually in that film, Golden Salamander, and he plays a heavy, and he's very memorable in that film, and he's pretty memorable in a movie that we're, we're going to be talking about later in the episode as well. So it's really cool that Herbert Lom would eventually reunite with Ronald Neem years later. But what's, what's interesting about Neem is, from what I've seen, is, look, his favorite film is an Alec Guinness film, I think from the 1950s, called Tunes of glory okay and so he's and he did this movie called the horse's mouth which is streaming on the criterion channel it's a criterion disc he's a celebrated filmmaker the first movie that we're going to cover though is not on criterion not on the criterion channel it's not a criterion film it's a disaster movie and for some reason eric holmes did not see it as a youth but bruce perky and i saw it as a youth and this is my version. What's your version, Bruce Perky? Can you hold up your DVD? Oh, we have <laughs> the like same version. Mirrors. Look at that. Look, look, look. We have the same version. Wow. Yes. Eric Holmes, how did you see the Poseidon Adventure? We saw it on, on DVD. How did you check it oh, out? I, I'll show you the version I have. It's right here. It's on, uh, <laughs> not, not on the phone, but it is on YouTube. I, uh, oh, very yeah. cool. I, I bought it on YouTube, not rented. I bought oh, it on YouTube. Why did you buy it on YouTube? You you trusted I, I, us? I, that and I like the I like the uh, Kurt Russell version, and I own that. And I figured I would I I thought this would be a uh, uh, inherit the wind situation or like a Twelve Angry Men situation where the the story is simple enough. I'm pretty sure I'm gonna like all versions of this. I see. Okay, so I love you, Eric. I did the I did the press junket years back for that 2000 what five 2006 film Poseidon stars Emmy Rossum, Kurt Russell, Josh Lucas. I was so disappointed. Directed by Wolfgang Peterson. Okay, very good director. Okay, really disappointed with that film. That said, if you really enjoy it, I think I maybe I should check it out and see. Maybe I I, w- I missed the boat on that one. I guess pun intended. But no, I, I would like to see if that's any good. Eric Holmes, but you liked it. You actually liked the remake. Yeah. But uh, also, I didn't have. I hadn't seen the Poseidon Adventure, the original. So I didn't have that baggage, maybe. But I didn't have that baggage with 12 Angry Men either. I saw the Sidney Lumet version, but I still love the William Friedkin version. You know, same with all the different... I, I think it, the Poseidon Adventure, what I really like about it is it's just... You can't get more simple than this story. But a wave capsizes a boat, lots of people die, and the people that are still alive are trying to get to the true north of the boat we'll say <laughs> they're not yeah. trying to get to the top of the boat but they're trying to get to the safe part of the boat so they can be rescued and the you know the original was kind of similar to the uh the kurt russell similar things happened to the main character we'll we'll say don't know how far into that we want to go and actually the weird thing is gene hackman definitely i i was getting kurt russell vibes from gene hackman which is weird to say because when i saw Poseidon. I wasn't getting Gene Hackman vibes from Kurt Russell. I was getting Kurt Russell vibes from Gene Hackman because he that had that kind of kind of same swagger that uh, that Kurt Russell has. And uh, but but to bring this into uh, uh, Ronald Neem, um yeah, he's uh, he, he's oh oh oh, hold on, we we got a little friend here. What what do you think? Yeah, he yeah, you did love. Be traumatized, Schwarzy, Schwarzy, is it Schwarzy? Right? Were you traumatized by the Poseidon Adventure? So. What do you think of? I liked it a lot. Oh, very cool. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Schwarzy will join me once in a while. He he does like the uh, he does like the uh, Ronald name for sure. But yeah, he has uh, it it, fi- it feels like uh, he's one of those uh, I, I guess we call them jobbers or whatever, like mm-hmm. the or sure. journeyman right. uh, kind of filmmakers, like just shoot what's on the page you know the, the the script works let's shoot what's on the page and uh as bruce was saying you know he didn't really have a lot of visual flair but you know when you have story as tight as poseidon adventure you don't really need a lot of visual flair you just need to point the camera where the camera needs to be pointed at and cut it in such a way that the the thrills are there regardless of if you have cool camera angles and i think a lot of times in certain movies that can be a detriment so it's 
it, not all the time, but once in a while, it's good to have people kind of like Ronald Neem who can just know where to point the camera to be the most effective and uh, most truly represent what the story is. And I'm going to I'm going to hit mute again. No, I mean I don't think Eric Holmes should actually hit mute because some of the screaming you hear is some of the screams you're going to hear <laughs> when you see the Poseidon Adventure. One of the one of the Oscars that it won, it it won for best best visual effects and best songs. So. Didn't Shelly Winters win Supporting Actress? Shelly oh, Winters? Know, Winters, you know what? My bad. It, it received, I believe, 13 nominations and it won two. Won two Oscars. One for Best Visual Effects and the other one for Best Song. Shelly Winters received one of the 13 nods for oh, Best Supporting okay. Actress. She was so good in this movie. Now, Bruce, you and I can relate to this. We're around the same mm-hmm. age. I have not seen this movie at least since 1983 or 84. I rewatched it today. You and I have the have both ha- have had the DVD for a while. I just had the DVD because I used to review DVDs all the time. I unfortunately probably only reviewed the special features. I actually haven't seen this movie forever. When I started watching it today, I was blown away. Eric's talks about not too many uh, visual, not too much of a visual style, but sometimes when you just shoot what's on the page or the setups, I w- I remembered almost everything about this movie. Yeah. Every single moment was traumatic, seemed traumatic, pivotal. It re- was really ingrained in my mind. And I have no idea why there are some movies that I think this is one of the top movies in my life where I actually remembered so much about it. Do you think it's because of the trauma or, or what? What? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, and, you know, every time you watch a movie, like we're talking about, you know, 30 years apart, certain things are going to hit you differently. I mean, the cheesy stuff that's in here now the kind of corny setup of all the characters definitely didn't feel that way to me as a kid. But other than that, though, like you said, the the set pieces, I remembered all of the set pieces. And I think part of it is kind of what Eric was mentioning too, is that the story is super tight. The production design is, is great. Yeah. You know, it's, it's other than a few model shots, everything else is pretty much practical. If they're in a hallway that's flooding, they're in a set that's flooding. You know, if they're in a submer- half submerged smokestack, they're in a half submerged smokestack set that they're going to put water in, you know, and if they're going to build an upside down bathroom for a scene, they're going to have it there. So I think that alone makes it really, I think, stick in your head. The other thing, and this struck me this time watching it, is that this is for two things. One, this is the prototype for the modern blockbuster and the modern disaster movie to the to the point that certain things are almost parodied not not airplane obviously parodyism but there's i even thought of like jaws there's the whole thing in jaws where the mayor's like no we got to keep this place open and blah 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 or in and there's kind of a guy like that in this movie and also in titanic there's the whole thing of that in titanic too so there definitely are some nods in other movies and i would suggest that before video games occurred this is the first video game movie if you think about it right they're trying to level up yeah everything yeah this everything is like an obstacle and like a level you have to achieve to go to the next level uh, this is, and that's one of the reasons that kind of sticks in your head. It's a classic adventure. Every stage of this movie is, once you get the setup go- done, every stage of the movie is, we have, we're here, we have a goal, and we have an obstacle. And when they get to that goal, they have a new goal and a new obstacle. And they keep doing that all movie long. So the stakes and the uh, rewards are super obvious. And that makes it stick in your head. It's just forgot, great storytelling. I forgot how good this, I was surprised at how good this movie, there's yeah. some cheesy moments, of course, but oh, yeah. it's really so good. I, Eric, did you really, did you love this movie as much as Bruce and I did? I mean, we, we started, oh. I started out as nostalgia, but then I saw it and I was, so I was throwing this as a, the cheesy pick, but I was yeah. surprised at how awesome this movie is. Yeah. And, and I, I do like how it, it's, it's constantly moving forward and constantly being suspenseful. Uh, the part where they have to swim underwater and, you know, obviously there's going to be problems, but more importantly, it's like the, the kids are there and kids are largely incompetent when it comes to uh, self-preservation. <laughs> so I was like, Oh God, I hope they get me. <laughs> but then, and without getting too much into it, but there's a, um, a part at the end 
where they finally get to breathe. Like they go through all of that and then yeah. it, 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 it doesn't end with a bang. It ends with a whimper, but I mean that in such a way where it's like, oh, yes. and not, yeah. no one's saying everything, but they're all looking at that same thing. And if you see the movie, you'll know exactly what they're looking at. And then they're looking around themselves and they're all just kind of filled with sorrow and, and kind of hope that, that, you know, we made it, but also sorrow because so many people died. Like we, we just went through like huge trauma and yeah, that ending was Yes. Especially Ernest Borgnine, like the, mm. the looks he gives at the end. I was just like, dude, it was breaking my heart because his character was a fucking like just kind of a shithead throughout. But then when you finally get him, you know, we finally get him uh, showing that that uh, specific emotion. It's like, wow, dude, that's why they cast you in basketball, dude. You are good. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You know what? I, I haven't listened to the, the top five or wet blankets from the film vault. Shout out to Anderson Cowan for that. Co-host of that show of TFV. And he mentioned Shelley Winters as one of the top five wet blankets for her for her work in A Place in the Sun. But Shelley Winters, I thought she was annoying in the Poseidon Adventure when I was a kid. And when I rewatched it again, closing in on 50, she was not annoying. She she gained a she gained 35 pounds for the role. As you said, Bruce Perky, she was nominated for Best Supporting Actress. Okay, Oscar nominated. Mm -hmm. And she she pretty much killed it in this movie she and jack albertson were believable as that couple right yeah and i think the key to this movie and this would be something that other big budget movies need to pay attention to and they don't <laughs> yes <laughs> other big budget big budget movies should think about this movie this movie is filled with stars they start them all out as types right they go this is the old couple and she's the heavy lady and here's the meek guy here's the you know preacher that's you know whatever list them all what other characters are at the beginning but they give them all arcs like all those main characters have arcs they all have a path that they go through in the story you could say whether you know some of them are overly sentimental or cheesy or whatever but they all have arcs they give them something to do so not only do you have the just the, the stakes of hey if we don't get to the next thing we're going to literally die but they also have stuff happening with their characters by the end and that's where like what, what Eric is talking about when you have kind of a final, I'm not going to say what happens exactly, but a kind of a final showdown emotionally between the Gene Hackman character and the Ernest Borgnine character, you've earned that moment by that point. And you have maybe picked your sides at that point and they both are reasonable in their own ways. So um, it's good stuff. I mean, for, for big crowd pleasing popcorn movies, it's a step up, total step up the budget of this movie back in 1972, check this out on IMDb. Budget of five million, worldwide gross, and this is seventy-two, right? Eighty-four million. Yeah. Not bad. Not bad at all. Wasn't it the number one box office that year? I'm assuming it's the number one box. It has to be because yeah. that, that was a huge blockbuster. A couple of other movie facts: Carol Lindley, she plays a lounge singer who sings the morning after. Carol Lindley, uh, it was in her time, in her heyday, a popular actress, and her voice was dubbed in the morning after, dubbed by singer Renee Armand. But the song, again, like we said, won an Oscar best song that year and of course leslie nielsen we have to mention give props to leslie nielsen <laughs> as a ship's captain at the beginning if you know leslie nielsen as a comedian you're gonna you can't help but laugh in the beginning moments because it's really it's a dramatic role but he's always been a very funny guy when i when we used to interview him he'd always have a fart machine by the way and he would just whenever he'd sit down he'd just pretend he'd just put on that fart thing and then and then he'd uh make the noise and everyone everyone would laugh great great person leslie nielsen but what what else oh scores by john williams and the reason why Ronald Neem, this is going back to Ronald Neem as not as not being like front and center as far as cinema and auteurs and all that stuff. The movie's produced by Irwin Allen. So when you think of something like the Towering Inferno or 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 something like the Silent Adventure, you think Irwin Allen, the producer first, as opposed to Ronald Neem or the dude who directed the Towering Inferno. I just looked up the the name of the guy who directed the Towering Inferno about an hour ago. Had no idea who he was. Still don't know who he is. I just think of Irwin Allen. But that said. Oh, one last thing. Shelley Winters gained 35 pounds for, for her role in the movie. And she said one of her main complaints was she was not able to, throughout her life, she was not able to lose that weight that she gained for that movie. And she also trained with an Olympic swimmer swimmer because her character has a very epic underwater sequence with Gene Hackman, not to give too much away, in the Poseidon adventure. Yes, sir. Eric Holmes. 
those scenes were fantastic. Yeah, the the underwater scenes Mm -hmm. because in fact a lot of the stunts in this were great because he he doesn't cut away a lot. Ronald Neem doesn't Mm -hmm. cut away a lot, and so you have like the kid crawling up that that Christmas tree, and or like oh yeah that's a stunt double. But then the kid turns around like and then says, "Hey, Mister Gene Hackman, I made it." (laughs) It was like, oh, that is not a stunt man. That's the and there's there's plenty of scenes like that. The underwater one being the most harrowing where you see the actors and they didn't CGI their faces onto stunt doubles because they didn't have that technology back then. So there was definitely a bunch of stuff where, you know, just watching the actors actually do the, do the stunts, you know, I mean, swimming underwater is not that hard, but when you're swimming underwater with shit all around you, there's a, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, opportunity for drowning, I would say. Okay. The, Oh, go ahead, Bruce. I was going to say, and you talk about that that underwater scene. I think it's uh, it it demonstrates something that this movie does throughout, which is it presents the geography very clearly. Whereas yeah. now you might have it done with a lot more cuts and a lot more shots and a lot more frantic kind of uh, style. Flash by kind yeah. of yeah, but kind of sitting with it, you actually know like they're starting here, they're going here. Here's this thing in between. So when something happens, you know where everyone's at and, and what how far they are away from safety or how much in danger they are. And that that's another thing that happens throughout the movie. Like you always know the geography. Eric, to your point regarding the, that tangible th- nature of the special effects, as opposed to CGI driven where the, the actors are actually doing them doing these stunts. Carol Lindley, um, just, I read this during her obit. She passed away in 2019 quote. This is a past quote from her during an interview with the Washington post. It was the most physically demanding role you can, possibly imagine said Lindley. we had to swim underwater climb across tiny catwalks and walk over flames they hosed us down at least 20 times a day and there were no safety precautions for the first two weeks of shooting i'd be up there on the catwalk and if i slipped it was six stories straight down through flames to a concrete floor i went through 10 or 15 pairs of shorts because they kept shrinking and then another really interesting quote by Lindley regarding the Washington Post interview again. Everybody hated something. I hated the heights. Red Buttons hated the water. And yes, Red Buttons had an epic water sequence as well in this with Ernest Borgnine and Roddy McDowell, as we all know. Love Stella it. Stevens hated the dirt and so did Ernest Borgnine. Shelley Winters hated being fat. And Jack Albertson hated Shelley Winters. <laughs> so, by the way, that, that's a very funny quote regarding the Poseidon adventure. Any uh, final quotes, uh, any thoughts regarding the film before we move to Hopscotch? The only well, thing uh, I, I, I read a quote, and then I'll let Eric go. I read a quote, too, and it was um, I think it was from Stella Stevens. And she laughed because she's kind of presented as a sex symbol in here, right? And at one point, she just has a shirt and her underwear on. And she, she said for the rest of her life, she was mad she hadn't kept the underwear because she could have sold it for a, a ton of money on eBay. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Though, by the way, the, sh- the Stella Stevens and, and uh, Ernest Borgnine storyline was, was awesome. The cop and the former oh, yeah. escort. That's, that, that's a whole different movie. It's it's really yeah. like to your point, Bruce. It's it's a really well written movie. Eric, you were going to say sorry. Oh, I, I was just going to add because um, we we haven't gotten into uh, uh, Meteor yet, and we will. But I just wanted to point this out that the ending of Meteor is that a is, threat that we will that we will get to Meteor? Is that a, uh, we, we, we will get we will get to Meteor? <laughs> but I, I I found it I found it I found it odd that the end of Meteor is almost shot for shot the exact same as Poseidon Adventure. What? Yep. Awesome. Okay. Uh, di- different different characters, different location, almost the exact same ending. Okay. Okay. So that, I'm really excited to hear. You know what? Maybe. Well, we'll 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 talk about the meteor, meteor after hopscotch. That will be our our extra bonus thing. But okay, so that is the Poseidon Adventure. It's available on DVD. I, you know what? I don't even know if it's on Blu-ray, but Eric Holmes saw it on, on YouTube, so it's available on YouTube. I just it was available supposedly on Watch TCM, the TCM app. I tried tried it. I couldn't find it on Watch TCM, so I would I highly recommend it on DVD or just find it find it on. I'm assuming it's probably on digital. Check it out. It's like Bruce said. It's like kind of the granddaddy of disaster films, and it's really well written. I don't. Oh, Eric, yes. The uh, Poseidon Adventure. It is on YouTube. You can get okay. free. It's kind of an okay copy. Okay, or you can just buy it on Amazon. It's pretty cheap on there, and then. That's the, uh, you know, again, not a great transfer, but 
pretty de- you know pretty decent or just watch it for free on youtube by the way score by john williams which i also mentioned but what was awesome is when the boat actually flipped and you see all of those people falling from one side to the other no john williams score that is a great you just hear the score the music is the sound of bodies basically hitting the floor <laughs> hitting tables it is ridiculous i can't believe that was that was a great move by director ronald neem okay so we're done with the Poseidon adventure we are now off to do a little hopscotch i have no idea why this movie is called hopscotch yes well actually it's based on a novel by brian garfield oh 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 eric holmes bring up his hopscotch i have a different one oh look look we have different yours looks better (laughs) yeah yeah okay that's very cool i must have the old one yeah, no, okay. So you have that yours on DVD. This is this is a Blu-ray copy, but they're both cool. They're both by the way, before we start with Hopscotch, was Hopscotch a worthy purchase over at Entertain Mart for you, Eric Holmes? You- uh ab- absolutely. Absolutely. I lo- I love this movie. I wasn't quite uh it reminded me a lot of uh Burn After Reading. We mentioned yes. the Coen Brothers earlier. Yes. But this yes. had a this had like heavy I, I, I need to when we're done here, I'm gonna have to go look up Coen Brothers interviews and see if they mention Ronald Neem at all. Because I, like between hopscotch especially, um there's so many like uh Coen Brother esque kind of uh, little flourishes in there. And not not flirt not Coen Brother esque flourishes because this came out well before that, but yeah, yeah, it, it has that same kind of it's got stakes, you know there's danger involved but it's also kind of having fun with itself and it's real playful and i think a lot of that comes from walter Matthau. yeah uh, and is the uh the uh his girlfriend wife whoever that is glenda the, uh, jackson yes. yes she's great in this she's awesome and, and, the, and the two of those together holy crap like th- this is one of those movies i was watching and i'm like please don't man Please don't. <laughs> yeah, before we get Bruce, before we get to you, just a quick mention about Glenda Jackson. She plays a Viennese widow who she's rich and she ends up being sort of a partner in crime to the main character. The main character is played by Walter Matthau and he's a disgruntled CIA agent, Miles Kendig. They have a really great chemistry, but I think they could have used more of Glenda Jackson, but they yes. didn't overuse. Yes, but I think it was, I think probably, I'm assuming Ronald Neem knew that but he still for some reason he's like maybe a little goes a long way i don't know but i still it's it's a little bit of a nitpick but still what what little she was in she made the movie really she was awesome in the film bruce just just broad strokes you were talking about in the beginning the self-conscious style of ronald neem the 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 lack of that self-conscious style and i think that's evident in hopscotch where he just tells the story eric mentions coen brothers any type of filmmaker would have slathered it with so many flourishes but is that what you're talking about like regarding his aesthetic re- in regards to yeah no absolutely and I, it's funny because i think the flourishes here are are the choices that are made instead for example ca- casting walter Matthau. i mean because <laughs> yeah. originally i think they wanted this to not be comedic at all it was supposed to be like dramatic and had warren Beatty and other yes, people warren like Beatty. a dramatic dark spy thriller and just the fact that they put Walter Matthau in there, I was thinking about it, I was watching it. I wasn't thinking of Coen Brothers. I was thinking like kind of a, almost like a born identity, but with that Walter Matthau flair, which is like such a weird idea to have. But at, at first, I mean, I don't know how you guys reacted, but I would say the first 10 or 15 minutes, I'm like, Walter Matthau is so weird in this part. I don't know how to take this because I'm trying to take it seriously. But then I'm like, <laughs> I can't take this seriously. But then as it sets into motion, we haven't really talked about the the basic plot we'll have to thumbnail that out yeah but as it set into motion and you saw that there was kind of this devilish glee and glint that kind of went with walter walter Matthau's character and then it kind of became this uh you know world romp almost uh in that sense almost like a bond movie you know where you're yes. just going all around the place and this kind of uh, also i thought of catch me if you can yes Yes, Cal- very this good. has a ton of that in this mm-hmm. too, Catch but it, with Walter Matthau instead of the um, the beautiful, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Leo. Yeah, beautiful Leo. Yeah. So anyway, I'll let you go ahead and maybe like thumbnail what this is about. Okay. But um, yeah. I enjoyed it too. It oh, really quick good. thumbnail! Quick thumbnail. Walter Matthau is CIA agent Miles Kendig. It's a very simple story. He's he comes back from a big job. He's been working for two years. Okay, he could have if he wanted to bring this Russian agent. 
Michael Yashkov, played by Herbert Lom, who I mentioned very briefly. He actually starred in the 1950 film, uh, Ronald Neem film, Golden Salamander. 30 years later, he reunites with Neem for In Hopscotch, playing that Russian agent that the CIA agent Miles Kendig does not decide not he decides not to arrest. So he, Miles comes back to Washington and he talks to his boss, GP Meyerson, played with just stupendous glee by Ned Beatty. He's just so annoying as the resident boss slash prick of the whole thing. He's the real evil person. Okay. GP Meyerson. Meyerson tells Miles, Hey, you know what? You could have gotten the, why didn't you get the Russian agent? And Miles says in a very logical fashion, I've been, I've been doing this for all these years. If I caught him, they're going to replace him with a new agent, a new Russian agent. And we're going to have to learn the tricks of that person's trade all over again. So I'm doing the organization. I'm doing the CIA a favor by keeping that Russian agent out there because I can out outmaneuver him. And obviously the boss doesn't understand and he relegates Miles to working a desk job. That's not a spoiler. That's the first 10 minutes of the movie. And Miles decides the rest of the movie, he's a little bit PO'd about this. He has a light bulb, light bulb flash of an idea to write his memoirs in the CIA. And not only does he do try to do that, he's doing that in a sense to actually piss off his boss, GP Meyerson. And what's interesting is Hopscotch is can be considered a satire on all those CIA government thrillers of the day, like Three Days of the Condor, all the president's men, especially where you mentioned Warren Beatty, Bruce Perky, the Parallax View. All of these are serious political government thrillers. Hopscotch is a like Eric Holmes said, a light, a really light take on that genre. And I, and it's based on the novel by Brian Garfield. Brian Garfield also took that novel and adapted it into the screenplay, which is Hopscotch. Brian Garfield, though, is best known as the author of this of this book called Death Wish, which was made into a movie starring Charles Bronson. But this is his only real screenplay credit. He was an illustrious author for most of his life. But yeah, he does a great job with Hopscotch. That's it. And yes, and Eric Holmes mentioned Glenna Jackson. She is the widow who ends up being a love interest, but more importantly, a a partner in crime to Miles Kendig in his endeavors. And Bruce mentioned about the globetrotting. One thing about Hopscotch is you think it's a light comedy. It is, but it is very deceptively ambitious where it's shot in Savannah. There's parts shot in parts in Europe and Austria. It's Washington. This movie is all over the place, but it has a very light touch. Eric Holmes. It's weird that you that you bring that up because (laughs) it's like he's going like all over these places. And then the, the CIA (laughs) or FBI is like looking at all those places and like, all right. Oh, we got him on the phone. All right. Did you trace it? Where is he? Oh, it's like three blocks that way. Oh, <laughs> son of a bitch! Like, yeah. like he's always, he's always like one step ahead of him. Yeah, and we have to we have to have to give some props to Sam Waterston. He plays the the replacement of Miles. Yeah, and he's he, yeah. Eric Holmes just did a thumbs up. He's he's awesome. Sam Waterston's awesome as always, but he's very good because he's also the guy. He's in he's in charge of the task force assigned to take down Miles, but. Deep down inside, Miles is his mentor. So they have a really interesting relationship as well. And yeah, I I was surprised. This was the movie I knew that I was gonna, going to love. The, the, the big surprise for, for me was how great the Poseidon adventure was. This movie, Bruce, I think one of the things I really loved about it is it has all of these things, all of these elements, and and it's funny, but it doesn't, it's not, it doesn't do a wink, wink at the audience. Like, hey, look right. how cool we are. Or uh, yeah, it just tells a story. Is that... Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree, and I think that on top of that, it does the things that the spy movie would do. Like it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't cheat on that aspect either. Like there's a whole sequence, and once again, I won't spoil. It, there's a whole sequence where he finds a house to stay in for a while while he's writing a chapter, <laughs> yeah. yes. and he's it's doing a, a bunch of stuff during that sequence, and you're not quite sure exactly what he's doing and why he's doing it, but when it pays off it pays off in the same way that a standard spy movie would pay off, but it's just more funny than it would be. So I think that that kind of stuff is what kind of sets it apart from just kind of say an all out like farce, you know what I mean? Where it would just kind of make fun of everything. It actually takes those elements seriously, but it just twists them with that kind of gruff humor. That's really Walter Matthau. 
Uh, I mean, that's really, he's the secret sauce in this, right? I mean, this just wouldn't work, I don't think, if he wasn't in the spot he's in in this movie. Well, it's also that, that, that part different. that you brought up with the, with the house, uh, it pays off dramatically. It pays off in so many ways, yes. <laughs> especially comedically. Like, yes. But, and yes, I, yeah, as soon as he said the house, I'm like, I know exactly what you're talking about. And I love that part. Another great gotta be a great, great moment in the movie for sure. Well, we Bruce, you and I are huge fans of Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Yeah, we love its use of the music of Vivaldi. But this movie, if you love Mozart, go see it. Just it has tons of Mozart because Walter Matthau is a huge classical music, specifically Mozart fan. And when Ronald Neem heard that, he said, "Okay, you know what? I'm gonna make sure his character listens to Mozart all the time." And so that touch was sort of a really cool combination from Matthau's own personal interests and Neem decided just to throw that in. And did you guys think that was a really cool touch as well? Yeah. 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 So I just joined up on one of our Facebook, our, our main Facebook group is Cinematics Facebook group. I actually joined up a Facebook group, group today called Criterion Channel Forum. I was so amped after watching Hopscotch and I wanted to see if, all, if any of the Criterion Channel enthusiasts really loved Loved this movie, loved Hopscotch. And I got one response from Max Magby. He's a member. And he said, I remember seeing this in a theater on its original theatrical release. I was eight years old at the time and couldn't quite grasp what I was seeing. Revisiting it many years later, I loved it. Ronald Neem was a terrific filmmaker and cinematographer. By the way, before he started off doing cinematography, doing directing in the early 50s, he was an acclaimed and, and, um, Acclaimed, acclaimed DP. I forgot to mention that as well. So he's even before 1950, he had a long running career in the business. Anyways, going going back to his comment, he directed two outstanding Alec Guinness films, The Horse's Mouth and Tunes of Glory. I have The Horse's Mouth back there on my DVD. I have to check it out. Both of which are in the collection, the Criterion Collection, and was a DP of the Michael Powell Pressburger classic, One of Our Aircraft is Missing, that I did not know. So shout out to the Criterion Channel Forum. We'll definitely watch more of Ronald Neem's works of art so anyways hopscotch i'm trying to think of anything else to say about this movie eric holmes you got it can can we talk about that brilliant opening to this movie uh, the, anytime a movie starts off with zero dialogue and it's just all pure filmmaking sure where, where you see walter Matthau, he's taking the picture and he's looking around and then he sees that guy and so you see a guy in the crowd and then it gets over and you see this girl doing the thing with her purse. It's like, it's like one of those really great spy spy kind of uh, yeah. scenes, but it's like, no, no dialogue, no nothing. You just, you just get to kind of watch the scene play out. And it's uh reminds me a lot. I mean, there will be bloods, probably the most recent example I can think of where they do that, but, and, and it's not the only one, but I, I really like when movies start off like that, where you just kind of, you know, I'm, there's something Is going it, on here. I'm not quite about sure. At- at the Oktoberfest, right? Yeah, I think I think that's what it was. He was like, uh, they were going for the where they end up getting the cigarettes, and there's that little microfilm. Yeah, and that's that's another reason I knew this was going to be a movie. But this was going to be a movie I loved. There was microfilm in the movie. Anytime <laughs> yes. microfilm shows up, it's a movie <laughs> I want to see. I think I read about that scene. If I'm not if I'm not mistaken, that scene also because what it is is you have Walter Matthau kind of up above uh, like a large um, a beer hall like a German beer hall or, or whatever. And they're having Oktoberfest and whatever. And he's, he's trying to kind of subvertly spy and take photos of uh, a meeting and a transfer of, you know, secrets, whatever. And I, I thought I read that they had like a bunch of cameras there at, to film it from all different angles and that wow. they didn't, they didn't stage it other than the actors. I think there were just people there at the beer, at the beer fest you know, at the Oktoberfest. So I think that they just kind of did one of those um, freaking style, hey, let's just film an actual location, have our actors in there just interacting with it and we'll get what we get. I'm pretty sure that's what happened in that situation. And I'm surprised. I, I want to see the uh, the uh, uh, deleted scene where uh, they, they had everything. <laughs> and then Walter Mouth, I was like, leave me alone, kid. Can't you see I'm working here? <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> And I think there's some other story too about him. He wouldn't go to Germany. Like he's, he refused to go to Germany because his, a lot of his family had died in the Holocaust. He refused to go to Germany unless something like, unless they like cast his son. I think his son is in a small role in this movie. So there, yeah. there is, there's some interesting little factoids about that whole sequence. So, 
Well, there's a, there's a woman who drives him in in a what a little plane thing, and then there mm-hmm. he's I I think he's off to I think Bermuda, right? Bermuda, yes, off to Bermuda. <laughs> and, and then she mentioned something about how yeah she reminds him of her father. In real life, that is his stepdaughter. Yeah, that is Walter Matthau's stepdaughter. And there's also little little other things, little Easter eggs here. There there's a there's a character here called Parker Westlake, and that is an homage to Donald Westlake, an author I interviewed years ago. Donald Westlake. His, he's best known for his work in that movie, The Grifters. But Donald Westlake is, was a very popular writer, mystery writer. And Parker Westlake is Parker. Parker was one of the main, was the, uh, the pseudonym of Donald Westlake. He, Richard Parker as well, I, I believe. That was his, his pseudonym. And there's also another person named Ludlam, as in Robert Ludlam. Mm-hmm. There's another person named Foley and Ken Foley. All these different mystery thriller writers became characters in this movie. And that was really cool. Some really cool Easter eggs. Again, this movie could be split into several sections. I would love to see a movie with just Ned Beatty as GP Meyerson, just pissing off everyone in the staff and Sam Waterston, just rolling his eyes. There could be a movie just like on that bureaucracy bureaucracy. And there could be just an entire <laughs> movie. There could be an entire movie with just, with just, um, math that Walter Matthau and, and, uh, Glenda Jackson just hanging yes. out in Vienna. Right. Just going on a vacation across Europe. I'd watch that shit. <laughs> yeah. Or how about just playing gin rummy and just going to bed right after? That's cool. I'm down with that. Yes. Right. Oh, and how about her dog? Did we love her dog? <laughs> Did we love her dog? Dog. Yeah. I was and the use yeah. of her dog in this movie. Yeah. So good. It's like, I'm just going to read for the phone. You know what? Maybe I'll just sit here. <laughs> That's once again, we talked about this a little bit in, in, in side adventure, but this movie is a great example of, once again, real solid storytelling where you set up certain things and you pay them off, right? The dog, that that house that he's in for a while. There's a, numerous occasions here where where little things are started out and set up, and but they pay them off in really satisfying and solid ways, not like contrived ways, but ways that make sense in the film. So, and yeah, it just makes the uh, hour and forty five minutes. Yeah. Um, the it, hour and 45 minutes, it takes place over what, like a couple months, something like that. Uh, globe trots yeah. all around the world, hour and 45 minutes. So, this is the uh, hopscotch is yet another example of you don't need to have a three hour movie to tell an epic story. Okay, I don't, I don't like that dig on the chair. <laughs> don't like it. I love the Russo brothers, by the way. Let's stick on the positives. <laughs> Hopscotch, little plug. This I didn't. Me- I didn't mention Russo Brothers. You did. what? I'm, I'm <laughs> editing that Russo Brothers comment. Eric Holmes, how dare you? This is, we're talking about Ronald Reagan Neem, not Tom Holland and the Russo Brothers, man. Okay, so uh, oh, so on this DVD for Criterion, which uh, Eric and I bought, I think I have this one is the new 4K digital res- restoration, and it has interviews from 2002 with director Ronald Neem and writer Brian Garfield. Both have since passed. And there's a Walter Matthau, by the way, Walter Matthau passed in 2000, but there's a 1980 Walter Matthau appearance in the Dick Cavett show and the trailer, all that stuff. So those are among the special features, but check this out, Bruce Perky. I don't know if you have this as well. There's also an essay in my version, but look at this awesome little nice artwork here. Yeah. Isn't it Very cool? cool? Yeah. I love the art and the, the typewriter. The typewriter, <laughs> the typewriter. Yeah, so, so he just yeah. carries around with him and stuff. Yeah, yeah, and also re- the typewriter scene when he's just working on his novel it, at at the house, the aforementioned house. Bruce Ronald Neem was in a little little bit of a pickle. He needed an actual piece from from Mozart, and and he asked Mathau, "Do you know a piece that would go well with that scene?" And whatever that music is playing when Ma- Walter Mathau is typing that Mozart piece that was chosen specifically from Mathau. So I, I don't know, just after watching this, I want to, I want to now go see more Walter Mathau movies. Do you guys, would you guys have any, this is find your film. Do you have any personal recommendations regarding Walter Mathau films? Oh, uh, there's a few. Bruce, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the most obvious one that comes to mind is the taking a poem one, two, three. That's, yes. That movie is fantastic. Uh, and then, of course, anytime him and Jack Lemmon are showed up together is always is always a, a treat. Mm. By the way, Bruce Perky can be a shutter shill. Eric Holmes can be a YouTube shill. By the way, I, I believe he is a, my, a majority stakeholder in YouTube, Eric Holmes, you are. But <laughs> I'm going to be a shill for Criterion Channel. This month on Criterion Channel, they are showing a Walter Matthau film called A New Leaf, directed by Elaine May. Have any of you guys seen this movie? 
a new every, leaf no and you have you have any of you heard this movie about a, a new leaf yes my late uncle so. actually recommended a new leaf to me and it's i think it's about a walter Matthau plays i'm i'm trying to think he's he's playing a guy who's trying to murder a woman or or actually take her out and that woman is played by elaine may but he ends up i think falling in love with her so it's it's a comedy and it's directed by elaine may and it stars elaine may and that is a new leaf but anyways that is hopscotch wonderful movie and yes oh that i got one more uh, walter Matthau, and it's i may have donkey brains but i believe he was the the brian dennehy character in first blood Walter Matthau played that kind of same character in Lonely Are the Brave to oh, uh, Kirk Douglas. But yeah, Lonely Are the Brave would be another another great uh, Walter Matthau movie to do. Unless I just got complete donkey brains, but I'm pretty sure he's in that one. Oh, okay. um, Lonely Are the Brave. Okay. And obviously the Bad News Bears, but another one that used to, was talked about a lot at the time, but I don't think you hear about it much right now is The Sunshine Boys. Okay. The Sunshine Boys. Have you seen good. The Sunshine Boys? I have not. I, I actually, I you know, I with George Burns, right? Wasn't George Burns in there? Yes. I, I saw parts of it maybe when I was a kid, but Sunshine Boys and Eric Holmes. Don't worry, Eric Holmes. You are correct. Lonely are the brave. He's in Lonely are the brave. And in I was, the, I always got, always got to double check because <laughs> I got donkey brains. Donkey. Yeah, yeah. I got chewing gum in my head. So, but yeah, <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, same here. I have chewing gum in my head as well. The following year, in 1963, I believe I haven't seen this. It's a Cary Grant film called Charade, or I like to call it Charade. He plays, he plays. A, I think he plays the heavy, the bad guy in that movie. I don't know if I'm correct, but anyways, a lot of Walter Matthau love, a lot of Ronald Neem love regarding Hopscotch. Anything else you guys want to say regarding Hopscotch? Strong recommend from all around? Yes. Yes, yes. Very strong recommend. Mm-hmm. If you love Coen Brothers, give this a shot. Should, should we mention why it's called Hopscotch? Or I mean, it's not really a spoiler, but yeah, I, I, wonder if maybe, I, even... I wonder if maybe people might be curious. If, if you don't know, Hopscotch ends up being the name of the, the title of the book he's writing. His, mem- his memoirs. Oh, my gosh. Hopscotch. That's a that's a great impression. Did you hear that, yeah. Bruce? Did you hear the Matthau? <laughs> I can't it's not, do that. It's, it's almost as good as Walter Matthau's impressions that he does in Hopscotch. By the way, here's the reason why you guys should see it. Of course, Walter Matthau. We mentioned Ronald Neem, Glenna Jackson. So many really wonderful actors in this movie. I just, I just really, uh, I was gonna, I was gonna say there was one more reason. Mozart, there's, there was one more reason. I, I had, oh, I had it on the tip of my, oh, and I forgot. I forgot. Ned Beatty. I, which one? Ned Beatty. Oh, Ned Beatty, fantastic! Oh. Everyone's fantastic in this yeah. movie. I'm completely blanking out why Herbert Lom. Definitely, which one? And Herbert Lom. Herbert Lom. Again, I have like Eric Holmes. I have donkey brains. We are moving on from hopscotch. Eventually, I'm going to get it. Probably when we stop recording. Meteor. Eric Holmes. Me and Bruce. Are we? Are we uh, at the disadvantage for not doing our extra credit homework and watching Meteor? Please give us the honest low down on this. And before you get, get into it, I just want you to say that Ronald Neem, one of the big reasons why he want, he actually rejected Hopscotch, the screenplay, because he actually, to Bruce's point, he actually liked the original novel better, which like Bruce was saying, was probably a more darker take. And he was being very picky about his next film in 1980 because he was not very pleased with the last couple of films he did. One of those films, of course, being Meteor. So now give it your judgment. Okay, well, uh, Meteor, uh, well, first of all, the uh, effects in Meteor are bad, even for the day they came out. But it's a, it's a, it's a you know, Armageddon, Deep Impact type story. There's a, there's a uh, Meteor coming towards Earth, and we got six days to stop it. Well, if you know anything about space travel, you know that six days to get up into space is impossible. And they're trying to think, what do we do? Well, I guess we just got to sit here and uh, sit here and wait for the meteor because uh, we're all going to die. Well, I mean, we do have that thing. What thing? You know what thing? Yeah, we don't talk about that thing. That thing is that the USA has uh, orbiting the Earth a bunch of nuclear missiles pointed at Russia. Now, this is for uh, military safety. This is off the books. This should not be there. If anyone finds out that this is there, uh, it goes against all sort of international treaties. And the United States uh, would be, you know, be on trial for war crimes. (laughs) But we need this because this is the only thing we can have they can stop the meteor that's coming towards us, but we can't use it because if we use it, <laughs> we're going to be tried for <laughs> war crimes. So uh, we're, the 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 whole the whole conflict is: 
do we stay here and die from a meteor or do we die when we get hung for war crimes? So like what, <laughs> which one do you want? That's interesting. That's interesting. And then the movie goes on and they come to find out that Russia has missiles up in space and they're pointed at the United States. <laughs> so everyone, everyone's like kind of trying to hide their hand, not knowing they're all holding the exact same hand. And this movie is fantastic. Like the, 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 the meteor coming towards earth, going to crash onto earth. That's okay. Cool. They, you know, that, that's, that has its own drama, its own dramatic elements, but the way they work this into a political satire and thriller, I was not expecting any of that in this thing. I'm like the, so the special effects suck. I didn't give a fuck. Cause I was so locked into this story and how everything was going to play out. And, um, yeah. Wow. Uh, even even more so in movies of this type. And this this um I, this is a movie that needs to have a uh that absolutely needs to have a remake hmm. and probably make uh Sean Connery Sean Connery's the main character, probably make him a little less rapey. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> and to write his character down a bit. But uh oh, check this out. Sorry, Eric. Sean Connery, oh, Natalie Wood, Carl Malden. Brian Keith, who we all love from Nightfall, Martin Landau, Trevor Howard, by the way. Trevor Howard was his stars in this. He plays Sir Michael Hughes. By the way, Eric, Trevor Howard is the main actor in Golden Salamander from 1950. So it's interesting. Again, some 29 years later, he reunites with Ronald Neem. Okay, so yeah, very great, very great cast. But you, Eric, you're saying the movie is it should be remade, but the movie itself stands on its own it does except for the 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 where this movie falls is it it's a spectacle movie it's it's a movie about meteors hitting earth and the special effects just aren't there like not Mm. at all and and this is what what this came out in 79 i think 79 right i mean this is after star wars i believe what probably indiana like you know Close Encounters, yeah, I mean, they, Alien. It's not, it's not like the technology wasn't there. And like, for instance, there's a part where the meteor, um, and this is for the uh, anyone watching the uh, video, but uh, there's a part where the uh, space people are in the uh, you know spacecraft, and there's a meteor coming towards, about to destroy the spacecraft they're in, and they uh, they wreck, and they do this. Oh no. <laughs> they all sway. <laughs> like, you see them all just we're all like, tilting. They're like ah, we are in space. Ah. I'm like this. This these are special effects I would expect out of an Ed Wood movie, like a hundred percent. Which is weird <laughs> because you put this up, you figure, oh, it's just the time. But Poseidon Adventure came out before this, yes? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Seven years yeah. before. Yeah. And 72. Poseidon Adventure, like they have these huge sets and like everything, like it, it's heroin because everything looks so real. Even the 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 wave itself, I mean, granted, it's probably stock footage or something, but the the wave looks pretty big, and the way they cut it in, um, the special effects in Meteor just do not work. But the story is so strong, and the plot is so interesting that it doesn't matter. It tipped it over for you more than tipped oh, it over. It, oh yeah, yeah, oh. like but a lot. I I love Meteor. Just know you that love, you, know, you love Meteor. Yeah. Okay. Just, Medi- just know that, whoa, 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 whoa. Just, just know that the special effects are going to be bad. Someone says, I don't care about special effects. Should I see Meteor or the Poseidon Adventure? Your heart. Follow it. What do you say? Do you want character work? You go with Poseidon Adventure. You want interesting story and political intrigue. You go with Meteor. My God. Very you good pull, both. Eric. You want both? You go with hopscotch. <laughs> <laughs> Very awesome. Very awesome. Okay, so that is wow. Meteor. I had no Bruce. Were you, are you surprised? I had no idea. I, I was thinking it's some kind yeah, of yeah. I don't I remember much about it when I was a kid because when I saw it as a kid, I probably was bored by the political stuff, and I wasn't happy by the the stuff that Eric doesn't like. So I'm surprised. <laughs> yeah. So that is that is wow. Very cool. So Meteor. So you're that's that. And you saw again. You saw this on YouTube. I rented this on. Amazon. Okay. Wow. Okay. So rent it's available yeah. on, on Amazon. Maybe we might have bought it on Amazon, but I rented it on Amazon. Maybe it'll okay. come out on Criterion and I'll I'll buy that disc. Why I, actually that, that this would be a movie that probably and, and I don't know, I, I haven't checked, but Meteor seems like it'd be one of those like arrow release type movies 
Like they live's a good example of that. Yeah. You go and they live, you think you know what you're getting, and then you watch it and you're like, oh no, this is this is not at all what I was expecting. This is like way smarter than what I was expecting. That's yeah. kind of what Meteor is. You think it's like, oh yeah, this is gonna be a popcorn Michael Bay movie, and then you watch it and like, holy shit. Like, oh, the best best example I can give of this, and it never went there, but the Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Mm-hmm. Early on, he goes in and then, you know, Indiana Jones is doing his Indiana Jones things. He's talking to these guys. And then they start to uh, question whether or not Indiana Jones is a communist. And then right away, I'm like, oh, shit, they're going to do this. Oh, my God, this is going to be interesting. And then they dropped it and didn't, and it didn't matter mm-hmm. for the rest of the movie. But this is kind of this is kind of like that. But then they take it there. You know, uh, oh, media, nice. you think you think it's going to be this movie and then they drop that political intrigue and then they go like they go they lean in hard on that probably because they were like special effects this meteor looks like shit (laughs) (laughs) all right so that that is meteor that was made in 1979 so we covered a whole bunch of ronald neem movies and i mean we haven't even maybe one of these days down the road we'll cover his his british era we'll we'll get into a huge alec guinness film alec guinness movie phase who knows maybe down the road Were, were you ever an alec guinness fan Bruce, did you ever have a Lavender Hill mob or 1950s, what is it, Ealing comedy phase? None of that stuff, huh? Um, only, I mean, all of the biggies, like what, Bridge Over River Kwai and, and it, right? Star Wars. Yeah, I mean, so you know. maybe, maybe a revisit to Ronald Lee. You know what? By the way, we haven't revisited anything. We had an Argento. We, did, we used to do Argento for a while, but maybe <laughs> down the line, we're going to start doing some revisits, maybe sooner yeah. than you guys think. So, well, yeah. uh, you know, we did uh, do two of his disaster movies. I can tell you on the next episode, proper episode of Find Your Film. Yes. I will continue the uh, disaster movie. Uh, <laughs> the disaster movie train will keep going on to the next episode. Maybe oh. not Ronald Neem, but okay. we'll talk more about disaster movies for sure. Maybe we'll join you on that. Who Who's doing our next Find Your Film director spotlight? Is that you, Eric Holmes? I think is it's that Bruce. You? Oh, it's Bruce. Yeah, yeah no? Bruce. My, mine was Ralph Bakshi. You oh. did Ronald Neem, so now it's uh, Bruce. I do have an idea for my next one, but yeah, it's Bruce's turn now. <laughs> my, my fault. Bruce Perky, do you have something that's percolating? I do. I know who I'm going to do. Yes, and? And it it might be great. It might be weird and terrible, but we're going to give it a try. We are going to do Leo Karach. I don't know how to say his last name. Leo Karach. Oh. C-A-R-A-X. Is that the guy Uh, who did Holy Motors or something like that? That is one of the movies we're going to do. We're going to do Holy Motors, and we're going to do The Lovers on the Bridge, which I have not seen, so it may or may not be good. But I guarantee Holy Motors will at least spark conversation. Have either of you seen either movie? No. Okay. And, and yeah, you've, I, I know, I remember you covered Holy Motors. Probably uh, you did a little review for um, a review, maybe for movie mainline when we were doing that. I think it's just come up in conversation. I don't think we've I've ever talked about it in general. So, uh, and it is available in a lot of places. Holy Motors, you can get on, I think like Tubi and Pluto and all over the place for free. So you don't have to look very hard for it. The Lovers on the Bridge is available if you have CBS All Access. If you don't, you can rent it for a couple bucks on wherever you want to find it. CBS All Access has now changed within the last several days to, I don't even know what. Paramount Plus or something like that. Something like that. Yeah. So that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I decided so, uh, to subscribe to it. Yeah. These are going to be different movies. You do not know. If you have not seen Holy Motors, you don't know what you're in for. I can guarantee you that. Yes. All, awesome. I, I'm excited to check it out. Okay. That's it. Anything, any closing, closing comments regarding Ronald Deem? Uh, by the way, I have, I have, I just borrowed his autobiography. I think it's called Straight from the Horse's Mouth. There's like, because that's a, a take on his movie, The Horse's Mouth. So I'll be reading more of that down the road. And I'll be posting some of the, the interesting factoids on our findyourscene.com website, which good news is, you know, I may, my main job during the week is taking care, being a nanny to my wonderful four and a half year old niece, Claire. And I was telling my, my buddies, comrades in arms that she's going to school. She's going to school next week, pre-K. So that gives me an extra eight to 10 hours to actually start realistically working on my websites. And I'm excited to see, to actually start housing a lot of our archival stuff. It's, we have like hundreds and hundreds of movies that I, I need to put up on the site. It's ridiculous as well as the stuff I do with Anderson Cowan with cinematics. So when you go to find listeners, when you go to findyourscene.com in the coming weeks, it will literally become an archival site. And I will be really 
I'll be looking out for some artists out there, other maybe just commenters, posts, all that kind of stuff. I'll be looking, we'll be looking out for, for some more, uh, some more movie stuff to put on that website. And again, our main goal was to actually make this more, more than just a podcast episode. We want it to be a living, breathing, breathing thing with all the directors we spotlight. So yeah, that's it. And Closing comments, Eric Holmes, closing. I really like Ronald Neen. I saw three of his movies, and all three were fantastic. And I uh, just want to, you know, again, we mentioned he's not the most visual, you know, visionary director or whatever. But, dude, he shoots the hell out of a script. I mean, he's, he's, he seems to have a good eye for what, what's, a, what's a good story. And he's just able to nail it. And there's a... There, you know, a lot of uh, directors try to, you know, put their fingerprints on it, put their stamp on it. And there's, you know, there's a place like that. I love watching David Fincher movies. Um, but sometimes you watch uh, movies like Ronald Nee movies and they don't look, you know, you're just seeing the story. And sometimes when the stories are this good, that's all you need. And in fact, that serves the story the best when you can do that. Bruce, I'm going to throw this one last thing to you is, again, celebrated DP collaborated with David Lean, produced three of his movies, worked with Michael Powell and Emmerich Pressburger before he even started directing, directed for a while in Britain, decided to come to LA, did a whole bunch. I forgot all those movies he did with Alec Guinness in in, uh, England that were praised. And then he does all these disaster movies and hopscotch, all these different movies. Is there a reason why we're probably one of the only podcasts to even put him in the podcast universe? Why is his name not even out there do you have a wild that that part i can't tell you i mean i can see in the general sense like we talked about him being kind of every man and all that kind of stuff not calling attention to himself not putting himself above the title all that kind of stuff but he should still be a name that we know because he's made some really really impactful movies if nothing else like you said working those early alec guinness movies and then making the poseidon adventure i mean number one movie that year that everyone knows about you should know who this guy is (laughs) so my big fear is our respective childhoods me and bruce perky we both loved and were emotionally marked by the poseidon adventure i have yes i have a ongoing nightmare that in come the midnight hour bruce and i on separate occasion will be watching meteor and be wondering oh my god I missed this as a child. <laughs> no, no. That, will, that will be devastating for both of us. It'll, I, I'll feel like Gene Hackman holding onto a real hot wheel and turning and twisting. And uh, does he hold on? Does, does Gene Hackman hold onto the wheel? He turns it, Bruce. He turns it. Eric, does Bruce, Gene Hackman make it? Does he make it? No one will ever know. No one, no one will ever know. You have to watch the Poseidon. Tune in next week on Find Your Film to find out if Gene Perkman held on to the hot wheel. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. We are your French connection. We are Gene Hackman holding on to the wheel. And we are Find Your Film. We'll see you guys next week.